Happy Friday and welcome to Food Network Obsessed, the podcast where we dish on all things Food Network with your favorite Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a true Bronx Italian with us to talk all about how both his New York and Italian influences informed his cooking style. And if you've ever wondered what gabagool means, he gives us a generous vocabulary lesson. We talk about his signature sweaters, his chickens named after Sex and the City characters, and everything else in between, including his time on Tournament of Champions. He is a chef and restaurateur from the Bronx, a Food Network star winner, and has appeared on TOC, Guy's Grocery Games, Chopped, Beat Bobby Flay, and Restaurant Hustle all on the line. It's Christian Petroni. Christian, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you on, although I'm a little disappointed you're not wearing uh, one of your signature sweaters. I know our viewers or our listeners can't see, but I am wearing my homage to uh, your your cardigan game, which is very strong. Um, how many sweaters would you say you own? I am kicking myself right now <laughs> because I can see a stack of my go to sweaters, like my <laughs> my current rotation of about of about one, two, um, I'm, I'm counting like this. So there's <laughs> five sweaters there. You know, it's always hard when you're a bigger dude to find the things that you feel comfortable in and confident in, right? And uh, when you find that thing and you have an opportunity to h- grasp onto it, you know what? I just got a brand new one. Yeah, now I'm like uh, a gentleman. I feel like <laughs> more gentlemanly. My my timber will go deeper. Okay. And uh, we will modulate even better now that I have this sweater on. So I, thank you. You're welcome. I think you you definitely are looking the part now. More like the the Christian that that we know and love from from television <laughs> and from Instagram. By the way, I've been stalking your Instagram account, which is hilarious. I, so I wonder, fun. are you the one like doing all the photoshopping and memes? Do you have someone helping you? How does this work? My buddy, my new buddy, Bearded Humor, right? Okay. It's, um, he's a, the, like, he, he just like seemed like the sweetest human being on the planet. He's got a sweet family and he's a hilarious comedian. And he started making these fun sort of gabagool garlic bread memes, you know? I wrote him. I'm like, hey, uh, keep them coming. Uh, <laughs> send me a bill. I don't like, you know, like I'm enjoying this too much. And he is I've for the first time in my life have banked content. I'm so stocked up with gabagool memes that I don't I'm like, I don't even know how to get them out to the world. I got to just start firing these things off like every 15 minutes. So like I'm, I'm kind of compiling everything right now. And I'm trying to figure out what to do with my Instagram account, my second Instagram account, which is Gabagool Media, where I sell all my stuff. With all this great content that's been coming in, it's not even based around me at all. I think that we might evolve this thing into a a real fun meme page related, related to food, related to you know what just the things that you know you know all the fun sopranos gabagool cured meat memes and you know uh the more random the better so it's like an exciting time you know to just be in this space right now because it's like as you know it's like the world is your oyster and you have the outlets to be creative in so many different ways nowadays absolutely i support it i i will i will be your first follower um on on the new uh meme account for anyone that doesn't know you know the italian american lingo maybe didn't watch Sopranos. What is Gabagool? 
you got to take it back to the motherland when you're talking about Gabagool. And Gabagool is essentially, it derives from the word Capricola. Capricola is a, is a cured Italian meat. You know, sometimes it's the pork butt that's been cured and tied in a net. The loin, sometimes it's, you know, it varies, right? What happens is in Italy, every region sort of has its own language, right? You know, they call it dialects, but, you know, you put somebody from Alto Adige in a room with somebody from Napoli or Sicily or Calabria, they may, they possibly may have a hard time communicating, right? The okay. words are changed that much. So the word Capricola in like a Neapolitan Southern Italian dialect kind of comes out as like, you know, Capricol, 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 Gabagol, Gabagol, right? <laughs> what happened was this funny phenomenon of my generation, which is like first generation Italian, right? And, you know, my parents came to this country when they were, they were immigrants, when they were teenagers, right? And then it goes down to the second, third, fourth, which is, is beautiful and, and, it's really a great thing that uh, um, a lot of these next generations of American Italians want to embrace their culture. That word is turned into gabagool, made <laughs> famous by the Sopranos. It's kind of like just having fun. It's a fun word. You think gabagool, Google. It's a nonsense word. It you know is. What I mean? that's, that's the first and thing. I thought, like a, a not like a silly word, but it's fun. It's just a silly. It's just a fun, silly word. It's not even so much about where it derives from. It, it, it's just like it's it's fun to say, you know, it's like fun to wear, you know, like, you know, I got my I got my gabagool sweatpants on right now. You oh, know? Right. oh and it's cool. Like, yeah. These are like like it's a really fun outlet. Uh, now it's rocking and rolling. I'm so proud of this brand, Gabagool. And and now I just feel like it's bigger than a, a hoodie, a jogging pants, a T-shirt. You know, Gabagool, this, this fun word that can relate to memes and to food and to whatever the hell you want it to mean. Well, as you mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of those memes are also centered around, you know, the cheesy garlic bread, which your your obsession is is real for, for the cheesy yes. garlic bread. Where did that start? It was like a few months before we opened my first restaurant. Going into that first restaurant for, you know, that, that first year leading up to it, it wasn't meant to be this family style red sauce thing. It was going to be a little bougier, a little more like fancy chef driven. Really? With a tw oh, yeah. Italian with a twist, you know, sweet bread raviolis and... Lasagna with foie gras in it, you know. Wow. Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> very, very fancy. out there. Yeah, very fancy. That was sort of the the feel of what that restaurant was going to be. You know, I was really stressed out. We were under construction, and we were about a month away. You know, and ready to almost ready to open. And um, a friend of mine took me down to a red sauce joint in the Bronx for lunch. Mm -hmm. I just remember being in a in a in a fog and just like. Oh, I get overwhelmed, you know. I was taken out for a break for some lunch at this red sauce joint. I actually grew up going to this place. It was owned by some paisans of ours, you know, which they were from the same part of Italy as my parents. My godfather was one of the owners and he was the waiter. So when my mother would go to Italy throughout the year to go visit her mom and dad when they were still alive, my dad didn't cook. So we had dinner every night at the Venice. 
right? And I'd go in there, I'd get chicken parm with steak fries. Uncle Phil knew exactly what to bring me. The tablecloths, the red walls, the cigarette stains on the ceiling, the payphone in the back. The old, <laughs> I mean, uh, when I went back right before we opened the restaurant, the place had not changed since I was a kid. And uh, I was so excited. That's what they make a shrimp parm, an abomination. A to, parm. Oh, my God. It's like <laughs> it's like a, it's a sin, a sin. But so I mean, one of the best things in the world, you know, so shrimp parm with steak fries, penne alla vodka, chicken parm, steak fries, chicken marsala, all these things. Right. So we go back to this restaurant for lunch to kind of just unwind. And in front of me lands a wicker basket. That's lined with like crumpled up tin foil, and inside of it was a stack of oozy, gooey, buttery, garlicky garlic bread. Yum! Like now, now you gotta understand, guys. <laughs> this this is like this basket of garlic bread, and, and like I've never seen garlic bread with with mozzarella cheese melted over it. Believe it or not, hmm. eight years ago, I've only seen garlic bread with you know garlic butter, some parsley, and, and delicious nonetheless but with melted cheese i was so like oh my god what is going on here and before i can even gather up the words i was so excited i remember how excited i was to just dig into this garlic bread right in like a movie a bowl slides right over next to the garlic bread of piping hot marinara sauce oh i I don't know eight years ago I don't know. As a young chef who was like really into like, you know, this this forward thinking, you know, avant-garde style of Italian that I always really thought I wanted to do. To see that garlic bread in that moment, God is my witness, it changed everything. And the concept for that restaurant in that moment swerved into what became, you know, my thing, which was Fortina. Garlic bread changed my life. You do have a an SS garlic bread tattoo, do you not? Oh, I do. All right. And, and <laughs> that was that was years ago. Um, me and my my beautiful wife, Sherry, we had this awesome apartment in Stanford, Connecticut, um, looking over this canal. And across the street was this concrete plant. Doesn't sound very romantic or sexy at all. <laughs> but I loved sitting on my balcony and watch these tugboats come in from the Long Island Sound down this canal right under my window. And then they would do these maneuvers. They had these big containers that like that are like in the water that were filled with concrete or stone. And they would bring them to this concrete factory, these tugboats, and to watch them working and the guys jumping off and tying ropes and pulling it and and like it was so it's so beautiful it is ballet it is lovely (laughs) it is so wonderful to watch and then when you look into a little bit of like the history and the culture of new york city tugboat captains and teams it's a very cool sort of world that nobody really knows about my cousin frankie was a lobster is a lobster fisherman in Brooklyn. And I know that's a whole other world as well. <laughs> so I, I'm always intrigued by that stuff. So I got the the tattoo on my shin over here of a tugboat called the SS Garlic Bread. It's just, you know, I like my tattoos to, to just, you know, be tied to a memory. And when I think about that tattoo, I think about 
the great times I had with my wife, Sherry, when we were young whippersnappers with no kids living in an apartment. I, I love that you talk about, you know, that your tattoos, you know, are tied to memories, reading and listening to different different interviews you've done. Some of those memories back in Italy as a kid are, are those that have really like kind of shaped who you are today and your your love of food. Can you just kind of take us back to that time and, and, and what you remember specifically, like as far as food memories back in Italy? I mean, you're going there, you know, in the summers, like every single summer, which I mean, it probably at the time didn't seem as cool as it does now thinking back. No, I don't want to go some some summers. <laughs> I don't want to go. It's like, wow, I don't want to go to an island in the Tyranian Sea. It's beautiful. That sounds and, terrible. You know I mean? <laughs> terrible. It was all normal, right? It was, you know, living on this little island off the, the coast of Naples called Ponza. Ponza is uh, like three and a half miles long, a few thousand people. My uh, My father was born there. My mother's family and my mother moved there. And it's a it's a beautiful place. It's a fishing is the main thing. Pishispada, which is swordfish, is the the main fish. Mm. The gambero rosso, the red shrimp. I, uh, me and my cousin Lauren, the last time we were there, ordered some very simply prepared red shrimp that were done on the plancha at a restaurant called Casa de Asunta. Beautiful, right view over the port, and it was just salt. And shrimp cooked on a flat top. And I remember um, there were two people at the table that could care less about it. Sherry and my cousin's <laughs> husband were like just having like yapping away. And we both ate the shrimp and looked at each other. And like we only had a tear coming down our eye because it was like eating. Dessert. It was so sweet and salty with natural salinity of, of the ocean. Like like gosh, we've never had shrimp like this. So, you know, that's later in life when I was finally able to appreciate stuff, right? But as a kid, we would be running down to the beach and, and, and spend the whole day and work up such an appetite and lunch was the big meal and we would come up and, you know, there'd be the breads and the, 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 the meats and, you know, the stuff's kind of sitting around, some fruit. And then the main dish could be something like pasta lenticchia, so like lentil soup. And I look at my mom, like, Ma, it's 110 degrees outside. <laughs> like, we don't want lentil soup. A cheeseburger. How much pizza are we going to eat? All right, we'll have pizza again. Like, whatever. Like, we ate it. And it was delicious when we ate it because that's what our food was whenever we ate it. Whenever it wasn't delicious, we would just put up a fight, you know? That's where I discovered prosciutto cotto, right? Like, I just wanted a friggin' ham sandwich so bad. I remember, like, just like a ham sandwich. Like, this is like, a, you know, a month into the trip, you know? <laughs> My nonna would get these um, these rolls. They're hollow and they're soft. What my nonna would do is split them for me and she would buy prosciutto cotto, which is essentially prosciutto that hasn't been cured, but it's been cooked or steamed. Mm -hmm. It's ham, guys. It's, ham. it's just ham. It's like, <laughs> but, it's ham. But really good ham. But like, but yeah, but it tastes, like, it tastes Italian, you know, maybe because of their accents, the pig's accents or something. <laughs> yeah, instantly and, it's better. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and my, my nonna would slice a piece of cacio cavallo. And put a couple little slices of prosciutto cotto in there. I think they were able to find mustard, probably, and they put a smear of mustard and mayo. 
it, you know, we call that we call that fusion now, <laughs> American Italian. But you know, it was all normal. Whenever in the last, you know, ten years, you know, the handful of times that we've been able to go back, because we do try to go back whenever we can, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't been back in about three years, which is tough. <laughs> it's so funny. These Italians, they use calamari as currency. <laughs> you know, like it's like, oh, this guy came back from Italy. Oh, did you bring bring you any calamari? No, you didn't bring me any calamari. Oh, you didn't bring you any calamari. <laughs> they didn't send no calamari for you. Oh, my God. And then the calamari in the freezer is like gold. You have calamari nights. Wow. And the calamari is squid, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my. It's like it's like the it's like a filet mignon of squid. Like it's so meaty and beautiful. It is truly an incredible ingredient. When we arrive, the tradition and I pray, I pray to be able to experience this a few more times. We arrive and I have this picture as well. And she does this tomato sauce, this spicy tomato sauce that she braises the rings of this squid in garlic, tomato sauce, chilies, you know, olive oil. And she makes this spaghetti, a really thick spaghetti, a dry spaghetti, but like the thickest gauge Mm -hmm. you can get. And she makes this dish that, oh, my God. My jaw right now is locked <laughs> thinking about it because that texture and, and, you know, she comes, it's out on a little plastic plate. You know, we're in the cantina. Our cantina is our kitchen and our dining room and our living room essentially at the same time, mm-hmm. but it's one space. It's shipped into the side of a hill, into a cave. Oh my and gosh. that's wow. Yeah. And that's, we, you know, that's still our, our cantina to this day. And, um, you know, you're able to actually dig deeper in and expand it. And, you know, there's homes that are fully built into the side of the hills on this island, this volcanic island that you would never even know were in the side that you were in, in a cave. Essentially, they, they look like, you know, you, you it's a house, the front of a house and you walk in. So it's pretty wild and it stays nice and cool, too, which helps in the, in the summers. I mean, it, it sounds like a terrible time. I, I can understand why you didn't you didn't want to go. Coming up next, Christian tells us about his experience on Food Network Star. Plus, we talk about Tournament of Champions and Restaurant Hustle. So stay tuned. No, it sounds like your family is obviously, you know, so important to you, as is the Food Network family. And I do want to talk about that um, as we are on a Food Network obsessed podcast. Let's go back to, to Food Network star and you getting approached by the network to be on that show. What did you think about that opportunity initially? And, and what do you think now looking back? I was scared and I did not want to do it. <laughs> Why? Because I was like, wait, I got to go. We just had Bo, our first son. And okay, I'm going to leave for a few months <laughs> to film this show. And right there, that's scary to me. Mm-hmm. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. I, I legitimately am bummed when I have to go and travel. So I, I can be honest with you. I probably wasn't going to do it. So I bring it to my wife, positive that she was going to be like, are you nuts? This kid's six months old. Where, where are you going? And Sherry's like, you got to do it. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so now I'm procrastinating more. It's getting down to the punchline. You know, I got to figure out what I want to do. One night I get a call from my manager and he goes, what the F the expletive <laughs> did you do? What? How dare you? <laughs> what do you mean? What I do? He goes, well, you signed a, 
you sign the thing for Food Network Star, and that's also, you know, it's your, your contract, and da da da. And you signed it and sent it in. We never even talked about it. I go, so you're doing you're doing the show. I didn't think I don't know if you wanted to do the show. I know you were going back and forth. And I go, what? <laughs> I go, Ken, what are you talking about? I never signed the contract. I don't. I, I'm. I'm. I don't know if I'm. I, I'm like scared to do the show. I was still looking for guidance at that point. You know, I was signing papers that my assistant accidentally slid in the last page of a 44 page contract. Oh wow! I signed it, whatever I had to sign, I signed it in. I was in. So you didn't even and, know uh, that you were in, and you were in. Yep. I was like, all right. I got excited about it. I'm not going to say I went there kicking and screaming because I didn't. I had the support of, of Sherry. So I was like, yeah, let me do it. You know, I'm going to go. It's going to be great for the business. Everything I ever did, I did to send to to put a spotlight on the business. That's all I ever wanted. I, I never meant to be famous. I was never meant to be on television, be recognized. It's so weird. <laughs> um, it's very cool, but it is weird. Because, like, you know, I think about every other chef that I get to confide in and talk to right now. And, you know, it's really cool because, like, we all really started cooking in restaurants at a young age. Like, we never, ever thought, none of us ever thought we'd be on television, that anyone would ever care about what we were, at least me. When I started cooking, it was right on the cusp of, like, it wasn't the coolest thing to be in the kitchen, (laughs) you know? I didn't, I didn't get a lot of dates back then because I was always working. It wasn't, you were kind of a, a, a rag, a, a rag, a vagabondo, you know, like, you know, 20 years ago, like not, you know, I'm not, in a respectful way, like we all took pride in it, but it was, it was a different time, you know? You know, you say you didn't want to be on TV, but part of that show is not just the cooking, but it's recognizing, you know, that talent, that personality that people can really gravitate towards. So how, how do you think that, you won that competition from the cooking and the the TV perspective. Like what what made you stand out amongst all the rest? Listen, I, I just I feel very lucky. I, I say it all the time. I feel very lucky that I get to be myself. It's not a put on. A couple people have made some comments, you know, stop with the fake accent. Stop with the shtick. Like, dude, <laughs> I grew up on 241st and White Plains Road in the Bronx, man. Like, like you want, okay, I won't be myself. Like, no, this is <laughs> this is me, right? So the fact that I was able to go on a show like Food Network Star and be myself and do what I love to do, which is which is cook, right? Obviously. I, I enjoy being there. Maybe the chromosome in my brain that's supposed to make you nervous in front of a camera, it just feels natural. And that's just luck. It's I feel very lucky and blessed that I for every opportunity to this day, when I get to go and be on a set and they and they're just like, Yeah, man, just do your thing. Be you. And I'm just like, oh, I must sound annoying because I just walk around saying out loud, like how happy I am to just be here. I, it, it, it's got to be obnoxious at this point to people. I could get emotional. Just so grateful for this whole world to be able to be talking to you, to be able to just like, you know, do my little part to to uh, make some folks happy. It's just very cool. Very, very cool. It is something that that not everybody can do and and to be able to do it, but also be, you know, enjoying yourself while doing it, I think is really, really special. And, you know, people may not remember, but you were you were also on Chopped back in 2010 and, and you won. And this is early on, you know, in the in the Chopped universe. What do you remember about that experience? That was my big break. <laughs> Andy Forzheimer is my mentor. He's my restaurant mentor. And he 
owned the restaurant called Barcelona and Bartaka. Mm. I used to live in West Hartford, so I know both of them well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you know what's up. I do. Love it. I mean, Andy has been my champion for just since I was a young chef and he made me a partner in a Barcelona in Greenwich, Connecticut at a young age. Like he gave me my first big break. He taught me how to actually understand the, the business side of a restaurant and be good at it, you know? So he had arranged for all of his chefs to go down to the casting studio. I remember we were in this lobby of this casting office, right? Waiting to go in or everyone's waiting their turn. And uh, there was one random person sitting in the corner on the coffee table, like on their laptop, just working. And all these chefs and we're standing in there and we're all just talking, being chefs, shooting the breeze. You can imagine the conversations in a room with eight or nine chefs with no one listening. No one, you know, the person sitting down pretty much disappears, you know, and, uh, you know, everyone talking. And it was funny because then. It turns out the person that was sitting down on the computer was Beth's chef. She's such a G. And what she did was got herself a raw sneak peek at all the chefs and their personalities without a camera. I got the gig and uh, I competed and I won. And I was happy. I was so happy because I, I was nervous about that one. I was so happy that it was over. I was so happy I won <laughs> back then. Season four. That's, I mean, how okay. many seasons are there now? Like 500? 400, yeah. <laughs> right? So season four, it was a long... I've never been in that world before, and it was a long day. I remember it being like long day into the morning kind of day for me. The next week, they called us again because they were doing Chop Champions, and they wanted me to go on. I was like, Andy, please don't make me do it again. No, 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 no. no. Please don't make me do it again. And Andy is good. He's good. Very persuasive, that little fella. I went back on Chop Champions. Uh, I got eliminated in the first round by Mark Murphy because he would refuse to eat my dish that was uh, cold smoked kippers that apparently I was supposed to cook. And I made a tartare. And Mark Murphy said, I'm not going to eat this, which then led to my pure hatred of Mark Murphy for many years <laughs> until years later when I got to judge with him on Chopped. He took me out. to. He did not remember ever judging me. <laughs> he took me out to lunch during our break. And Mark has become one of my dearest, dearest, dearest friends and is one of the best human beings on the face of God's green earth. So I, I really care about Mark Murphy. But that's yeah. So I went back on and lost. Well, you also got to hang out with a, a lot of your other Food Network friends on Tournament of Champions for the second time, by the way. You got beat out in the quarters by. You got to bring that up. Mani huh? I mean, we got to talk huh? about it. it was, I mean, <laughs> it's a huge, it's a huge deal. Everybody was watching. Um, Manit Shohan, uh, obviously the, the winner there. And this is a rematch following last year's loss. But, you know, I saw your your Instagram what? post. Um, <laughs> you you were so kind in, in your words about about Manit and um safe to say you were okay losing to her first off happy to be able to come running out of those doors with your favorite pepper mill bat <laughs> which we need to talk about that too <laughs> we, we, oh yeah there's a little backstory there and the tarantella blasting on the loudspeakers and a real actual studio audience my television mentor guy fietti who i uh, adore happy to be here right and then to go against Manit and to lose against Manit is like, I want to say like, yeah, 
obviously like, <laughs> like what what Manit what do you think is going to happen what Manit can do in seven minutes with spices the words don't convey the complexity she is on another level she's a beast I adore her I get advice from her she is a shoulder to cry on for me in that picture that I posted of me and her, <laughs> you can see her. Like I'm like, I'm like getting emotional thinking about it because you can see her. I, I must have been reading her something that must have been going on in my life. And she is just, you see her in that picture that Aaron May took that I didn't even know about until he posted a couple days ago where she's just leaning in. Look at her. Just look at her leaning in. If she could hug me in that moment and make me feel better, she could. All she could do was lean in. You know, because of COVID. And uh, yeah, man, Ugh, that family, that family, just the best. I just love them all. And, and and to be able to do Restaurant Hustle and to share that experience with Manit, mm -hmm. to be going through that, to that unique experience together while filming that documentary, along with Marcus Samuelson and Antonio Lafaso, that was, that brought us close, right? You could tell. She's just such a special person. Oh, my God. That picture, I, 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 Aaron posted it on his story and I called him. I said, you send that to me right now. <laughs> he goes, hey, Bubba, you know, I said that to you like four months ago, right? I was like, oh, okay, my bad. So, <laughs> we have to talk about the pepper grinder. What is the story behind the pepper grinder? And where did you find that? I was in Naples, Italy. I was in Napoli with Nick Nitty from Forno Rosso in Chicago. Incredible pizzeria in Chicago and an incredible human being. And we were in Naples together, just learning the culture and, and eating and, and having just an incredible, incredible experience. And we went out on the outskirts of Naples was this like warehouse. Imagine like Restaurant Depot for restaurant equipment, but it's in Italy and it's everything you've ever dreamed about. Every plate <laughs> you've ever dreamed about owning, every tool, every pot, every it's like it was the most Incredible place on the planet. I cannot wait to go back. I bought a bunch of random stuff. They ended up becoming a PR trip. They they gave me this really cool uh, fork bracelet that I gifted to Billy Durney uh, of Red Hook, uh, of Hometown Barbecue and Red Hook Tavern. And I saw in the corner was this baseball bat. And I was like, is that what I think it is? And I went over and there's nothing on it that says... Italy, I don't even think it's made in Italy. Nothing on it that will t ever tie it back to this little town outside <laughs> of Naples. And it just totally has nothing to do with it. So obviously I bought it. How and do you fit that in your suitcase? Like how does... <laughs> yo, I schlepped this thing around. It was like walking around with this baseball bat, like intertwined within luggage. So this baseball bat ended up like in a, in a drawer, my, my food drunk drawer cabinet at the old house which had like you know my ice cream machine in there from wearing you know an air fryer that i never use some bottles of wine and that's where this this baseball bat pepper grinder lived never to be touched for over a year or two and then tournament of champions i got the call i ran and packed my bag and on my way out my sherry must have been like we were getting ready to move. That's what was going on. So she had cabinets open. And like, as I'm walking, I was like, laser sighted. I saw the <laughs> bat and I go, this is it. This is the moment. We're going to use this baseball bat. And I grabbed it and I brought it to L.A. 
And I was like, hey, guys, I'm not going to look too scary if I walk in with a baseball bat because I think that'll be fun. Guy guy was all about it. You know, it's turned into memes. It's a, it's a whole thing. It is so it is so much fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. So, like, yeah, I got to figure out how to, like. Some, we need some merch. Okay. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey anyone listening? <laughs> baseball bat pepper grind. Okay. About a month or two. I really need to look into that because I have been getting lots of traffic on questions about the the pepper grinder. I mean, it comes full circle on the on the, the memes that we started talking about uh, a, a while ago. Um, and I would love to yeah. keep, uh, you know, continuing on with our, our story time. But we are going to wrap things up with a few rapid fire questions. And then we're going to ask you our final question that we ask everybody. So are you ready for the rapid fire? Yes. OK, what did you eat for dinner last night? Sicilian pizza from Frankie's of FNF Pizzeria in Brooklyn. All right. Worst thing you've ever cooked? Probably everything on Guy's Delivery, Guy's Grocery Delivery. <laughs> Favorite pizza topping? Cheese and sauce, Beb. Just cheese, cheese and, and sauce. sauce. I'm adding another one because we didn't get a chance to, to talk about this, but your favorite chicken, the name of your favorite chicken. Oh, my girls named after the office and sex in the city. Favorite chicken. Oh, my God. How do you even? Uh, How do you probably pick? Phyllis, sweet Phyllis and <laughs> Kelly Rajnigandha Kapoor and Phyllis Vance are probably two. The top two. Uh, Kelly is a silky and Phyllis is a uh, she's a frizzle, a frizzle. OK, my baby girls. And, and you, you mentioned that some of them are, are named after Sex in the City characters. So which Sex in the City character are you? are you? Are you a Carrie? Are you a Samantha? Are you a Miranda? A Charlotte? I'm probably the sassy one. <laughs> I mean, Samantha? Yeah. Okay, I'm I can see that. Samantha. And Samantha is a beautiful, beautiful barred rock chicken. <laughs> she is stunning. That makes um, sense. She's a sweet girl, too. Oh, she's so sweet. These chickens, they, they, I, they, I, I adore them. Favorite Food Network show that you're not on? Best thing I ever ate. Oh, that's a good one. Next chef that you would like to battle? Volta Michael Voltaggio. Really? Okay. Head to head. You know, I, I, I'm almost guaranteed to lose because he is, I've been saying it before we even had our man crush and knew each other, <laughs> um, um, that I used to say, like, that kid is, 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 is not of this planet. That food that he cooks is not of this planet. So I'd like to just see how badly I would lose against him. Okay, that's fair. I, I co-hosted an episode of Beat Bobby Flay with him, and he he was a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, so I can understand where where, where your man crush comes from. All right, final question that we ask all of our guests here on Food Network Obsessed: What would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. You can travel wherever. Um, you can travel in between meals. No rules on this question. Just what are your perfect, you know, three meals and dessert? Breakfast at my house in the Bronx growing up and my father's chocolate chip pancakes with mm. the, like the real imitation syrup, the real imitation, <laughs> the syrup. real imitation syrup. Yes. <laughs> so just sugar. And then they came up with butter rich version. Like What? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm not allowed to have it anymore. <laughs> Lunch would have to be Tony's Pier on City Island in the Bronx, a great little island with a lot of fish joints. And to get their basket of fried shrimp that they've served the same way with a coated in cracker meal over steak fries 
with a little house salad with Thousand Island dressing and tartar sauce. That combo, like just, you know, my, when we were kids, we would go there and eat it in the car. My, my father, we'd sit up, look at the water and eat these baskets of shrimp as a treat. Then we got dinner. Dinner has got to be Silvio's Italian restaurant in beautiful Yonkers, New York. Silvio is an incredible human being that is always there for his community. And he's got a slice joint with a beautiful restaurant that my father helped actually helped him remodel recently in the back. And like his penne vodka, his shrimp parm, his chicken marsala, his potato croquettes, his broccoli rob. He nails it. And he's a dying breed. Silvio's in Yonkers, New York. And then when it comes to dessert, it has to be the baked Alaska in Chicago. Guys, I haven't had baked Alaska until like two years ago. Like, <laughs> And I've been dreaming about it. I, all I ever wanted my whole adult life was baked Alaska. And I did not get it till two years ago. Okay. And Nick Nitty took me to RPM Steakhouse in beautiful Chicago. He goes, there's one thing you got to have here. And that's all we're going to have. I mean, he says everything. Everything is fantastic that we had full meals there. But this one dish is miso crab, like, and it's like miso butter. And, you know, your eyes kind of roll into the back of your head as you're (laughs) eating it. And I saw baked Alaska on the menu and I could not believe my eyes and i ordered it and it was everything that i i I imagined it was gonna be and that never happens as everybody knows for a blind squirrel to get a nut sometimes baked alaska bury me in encapsulated inside of a baked alaska that sounds like uh, i mean now i feel like i need to seek that out um and light me on fire like a viking <laughs> sorry i'm, su- I'm surprised there's no ge- cheesy garlic bread involved in this day but maybe you could have that as like a after dessert snack or something Oh, yeah, it was snack an option. Well, I mean, no, but I just feel like you need to you need to sneak that in there. I think garlic bread probably falls between every every meal period. Okay, essentially. Okay, there you go. So between so breakfast like and given. lunch. Yeah. <laughs> garlic bread. It's an absolute given. No <laughs> well, I need to go have uh, some cheesy garlic bread now. And uh, thank you so much for all of the stories and the time and so much fun talking to you. So uh, thank you again for for making the time. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's an honor for real. What a fun conversation. I love Christian's warmth and optimism in the wake of so many changes this past year. You can catch Christian judging on the all new series Grill of Victory premiering Monday, June 21st at 10, 9 central on Food Network and streaming on Discovery Plus. As always, thanks so much for listening and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single thing. Of course, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review. We do love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. 